you're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast. Today's episode features an interview with Chelsea Body. Chelsea is a freelance audio engineer and sound editor based in Toronto. A classically trained multi-instrumentalist and post-production professional, she lends her skills to a varied selection of creative projects. Currently, she can be found working among the Folly team on critically acclaimed productions such as Dune and Nightmare Alley. How are you feeling, Chelsea? How are you feeling? Welcome to this room. Thanks for having me. Uh, I feel glad to be indoors because of how blizzardy it is out currently. But uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, yeah, we're great. Great. Yeah, very tired. <laughs> That's a good start. What's your cat's name? Just um... just cat. Oh, cat. Yeah. <laughs> First question. First question. What is your cat's name? Yeah. Even if you don't have one. <laughs> is cat like K-A-T or like like cat, like animal? Like C-A-T. Hello. So oh, it's just cat. Oh, hi. There you go. Hi, cat. <laughs> did you adopt cat? I did. Oh. <laughs> cat looks she, confused. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like this at all. But <laughs> She's trying to say okay. something. I think like, it's let just... me go. <laughs> it's a very expressive face thank you cat that was a sweet um guest spot there yeah Fe- chelsea and featuring, cat. yeah <laughs> podcast featuring cat <laughs> oh chelsea we're gonna go back in time we're gonna start from the beginning um how did you get into audio in the first place and like tell us about your roots so um i started taking uh, classical piano lessons when I was 10 years old and I took those all the way up through uh, three years of college so I did about 13 years of uh, classical piano training um, I decided like in high school that that's kind of the thing that I was the best at <laughs> I was like let's try this so I went to um, Mohawk College in Hamilton it was performance focused so classical piano performance, but it was uh, also they had like a big it's mostly a jazz program, I would say, like actually the minority were the classical students. Um, so I learned a lot of a lot of jazz, like harmony and theory there, too, which was really cool. From there, I decided that I didn't want to perform. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, but I was all I've always been really into uh, technology And we had a class there at Mohawk that was, um, I forget the name of it. It was probably like music technology or something. But we learned Cubase. That was my first DAW that I ever touched. And uh, from there, yeah, I decided that I wanted to get into something more technical. And uh, I found Fanshawe's program, which was, it's called Music Industry Arts. And it's more, um, well, there's like, Lots of courses within it, uh, engineering, production, business, post-production. So I took that program for the two years. And then after that, they offered a one-year post-grad in just specifically audio post. So I did that. Uh, So six years of school. And now I've been doing Foley for six years. Just about. (laughs) Wow. So wait, like what was the audio post-grad like what did it teach you because what was it like a year right yeah it was a year um so a lot of it was 
projects, I mean, like kind of the big projects that we did where we would get like a trailer or a section of a film and strip all of the audio and redo it from scratch. So that included like you're doing, I mean, you can't really cut dialogue, but, <laughs> you know, recording your own ADR, like your own sound effects. I don't know if, we, I think most people just kind of found free music to cut in rather than composing something, but wasn't a huge element of Foley taught at that time. Of course, they added a Foley stage after I left the program. <laughs> Great. Of course, that's that fate would have it yeah. that that would happen. <laughs> but uh, but we had a little like ISO booth that we did some like where we did the ADR, we we could do Foley in there too. So that was kind of my first real kind of hands-on experience with audio posts. And I chose actually it wasn't in that program. They had a course in the year before of just a audio post course within the music industry program. And I chose a scene from the movie Scott Pilgrim to do as my scene. And I had the greatest time. I loved it. Do you have that still? I think it's somewhere on like Vimeo. I think I watched Ooh, it a, a while ago guess. just to reminisce. And there's so many things, of course, I'm like, oh, that's so bad. Like I could, you know, I know so much more now that I could you know, do a, a better job, but I'm still so, you know, so proud of it for what I knew at that time, of course, and, uh, and just like nostalgia about it. That is a very ambitious sound movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I even had I had a friend like play the oh, I chose the scene where they do a bass battle oh. in Lee's palace. Yeah. And, uh, and I had a friend play the bass part, which was like, ridiculous but they did a really good job oh well that's like doubly as nostalgic because you got your friends to play on yeah that's nice yeah yeah every like you know all your friends are a part of the projects and they do the adr for you and, <laughs> yeah wow so like what did you do upon graduating what was the big bad world like after six years of school here in ontario kind of like the place to go the city to go for Audio Post is Toronto, so I kind of set my sights there. So I ended up connecting with some graduates of my program uh, who worked at a studio here in town, and they let me kind of come and sit in a few times and just making that connection and keeping that connection with them. Uh, when an opportunity came up, they remembered me. And so I got in there on uh, initially on a contract to do closed captioning. So I did that for a few months and that was like actually pretty interesting in its own right. <laughs> um, but then an opportunity came up where they needed a Foley recordist and the the boss kind of called me in and was like, you know, we know you're interested in audio. And basically my, my like interview for that position was, do you know Pro Tools and are you okay working nights? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're going to train you as a Foley recordist. I was like, cool. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, and then I trained uh, with their their other recordists there and the Foley artists there who were really awesome. And, uh, I mean, of course, I knew what Foley was, but I didn't have, you know, a specific desire to to follow that path. I just kind of fell into it and then you know started enjoying it and um from there from just actually being in it and doing it so then like what was your 
first job? Like, so it was that and like what, on what kind of projects and like what was being terrible at it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. If I, you know, some, I look at my IMDB and I look way, way, way down and I'm like, Oh, right. That movie. I think about just like how, again, not, you know, I don't want to like dump on myself or anything because I know at that time I didn't know maybe as much as I do now. Right. You're always improving, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's always going to be something. I think like almost every audio person can say they go back and listen to something that they did so long ago and they want to change many things about it. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of uh, like feature films there. We did some TV series. I think at the time I started, we were working on a show called Orphan Black. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of like Canadian show. It was a smaller post house. So uh, a lot more like kind of local and Canadian content. But yeah, those are kind of fun. Yeah, like indie movies are pretty fun to work on because they're not. I mean, every movie is fun to work on. I don't want to say that. I don't want to single anything up. But <laughs> but yeah, like it's kind of a more it's maybe a bit more like laid back in some way. And you can have like a lot of fun with those, especially like the we did a lot of um, indie like horror movies, which those are always fun to do. So, yeah, I had a pretty fun start. Pretty much everybody in Toronto fully is freelance. So from there I kind of um, connected with other people at other studios and you know sat in at other places and met other people and um, I was introduced to Andy Malcolm up at Footsteps and that's where I mainly work now Um, and that was I've been there for like four years now which is crazy to me but yeah I went up there and it just so happened that at that time they needed a, a Foley editor and I just kind of went there one day and didn't stop. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do go home sometimes, but uh, occasionally I just, we caught yeah. you in one of those special moments where you're at yeah, home. where I'm at home. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the um, the studio is in Uxbridge, which is uh, about an hour north of Toronto. So and I live in Toronto, so it's a it's a bit of a commute every day, especially in a blizzard like today was. But um, but yeah, I. It's so actually really nice to get out of the city sometimes. So I do enjoy like being up in that space. So it's basically just studios on a farm. Yeah, it's nice to be out of the the grind of the city sometimes. Uxbridge. Yeah, I, I've never been. Um, but I It's it's quaint. <laughs> it sounds quaint. Let me just say it sounds quaint. <laughs> they do have an A&W though. So, well, you know. what more do you need? Yeah. It's really you hit the, the big time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they got footsteps. That's like, I mean, it's like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it not like a pretty go-to Foley place in Toronto? Like footsteps is the shit, right? <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it is the shit. It is the shit. I don't want to, you know, I'm not putting anybody else down because I do work at other places actually I've I've worked at almost every kind of mid to large size fully studio in in the city so I know everybody and everybody knows each other and everybody's super great and supportive it's a really awesome community to be a part of um but yeah footsteps we have a lot of really great clients that keep coming back to us for our good sounds (laughs) 
So how, like, what's uh, kind of integral to those good sounds? I, I know the uh, studio itself is, like, kind of specialized. Like, there's a new studio that's, like, a room within a room or something. Yeah. So uh, we currently have, we have three studios now, three rooms. We just built or finished building the third room last summer. Actually, the first movie that we worked on in the new room was Dune. The studio wasn't quite finished yet. So actually, it's kind of funny that I use those two movies in my bio. The first kind of full movie that we worked on once the studio was fully finished was Nightmare Alley. But um, we used Dune for some of the uh, bigger like palace scenes in Dune with the big because the studio wasn't finished yet. So it was like extra reverberant. So we actually use that to our advantage and like built that into into the sound. So. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a strictly Foley. That's all we do there. We don't do any other kind of post-production. So Man, I have to yeah. watch Dune. I haven't seen it yet. I would say if you are wanting to see it, it's the best in IMAX. Like best of everything. Cause yeah. It, most of it was shot in IMAX. So uh, might have to look it up. Yeah. You were salaried first, which was weird, right? Because I think you said you found out everyone was like Foley people are typically freelance, but were you not salaried right before that? Yeah. So some places do have like staff, uh, recordists or yeah, even artists too, but it's, it's more rare than not. So yeah, I did start out, it was kind of like contract and then salary and then freelance. So yeah. So my first job was, um, was salaried and then I had to kind of go freelance to be able to work at you know, a bunch of different places. So, and that's really what I wanted. I wanted to be able to, you know, get to know everybody and learn from everybody and work on, you know, all these different projects by being able to go to all these different studios. So, so yeah, I, most people in Toronto are freelance. Was that scary? That like oh, yeah. transition? Oh yeah, yeah. I was reading your article, shout out oh, to the author, Chelsea Body. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sick. You write um, Sound Girls things. Uh, so yeah, just tell us more about that transition to freelance and like what people can expect since it seems to be the way to go. Yeah. And so Toronto, even six years ago, was uh, ridiculously expensive. So I think that the probably the biggest, scariest thing was the financial part of it. Like, you know, knowing when your next paycheck is coming in, like, am I going to be able to afford rent this month? So I think the kind of common thing that they say is that um, you should have like six months expenses saved up before you make a big change like that. Um, I did not. I don't think I've ever in my <laughs> I think, life. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I just finished school less than a year or like a year before that. I'm still paying student loans. I've just moved to the city and, you know, rent is now triple what it was in London when I went to Fanshawe. So, um, yeah, it was it was scary, but I also knew that it was going to lead to really good things. So I think that was the kind of like really big motivator aside, like outside of all of the scary things was like, this is a really great opportunity. And I know like, you know, I'll make it work. I'll find a way to make it work for this. So, um, yeah, thankfully, it really worked out. <laughs> yeah but also if yeah. you can save up six months worth of um, expenses then I don't think you're in a, a, a dire situation 
at all. You can just do whatever you like. Uh, it sounds like you're well off, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> if you're salaried or not. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't have the expenses. <laughs> and then the other thing was once I started working at Footsteps was because I was living in the city, you basically, you need a car to get there. There's no really viable public transport way of of getting there to uxbridge they don't yeah. have to go the uxbridge go there is an uxbridge go bus but it's probably like you know once every two hours or something and, right. and it drops you off in town or in aurora and it's still like a 20 minute drive from there so yeah basically you have to have a car so that was yeah. the other big thing was like once I, I rented a car for the first i don't know six months that i was working there um because I, I, that was another big step, right? Like, do I want to buy a car not knowing how often I'm going to work there? Like, is that going to, you know, it's another financial decision, right? So once I realized that I was kind of going to be a really key part of the work there and, you know, I found myself being a bit more like in, de- not in demand, but you know what I mean, in demand to, to work there, I was like, okay, it's time. And it just made a lot more sense actually financially to buy a car rather than rent one. So yeah, some big steps, but in the end they're worth it. So like, what is it about the job that's kind of satisfying in a way that like everything came together and made it worth it? Like what, what's your job like? Well, I get to work with really good people. Like everybody, even outside of my studio or like outside of footsteps, everyone in the city knows each other. And everyone is so supportive of each other. Like even when you're working at another studio and, you know, you, you expect there to be some kind of like level of competition. I mean, maybe like from a business standpoint, that's still kind of there, but everyone is friends with everyone, especially like, you know, some of the older people that I work with, they've worked with these people for like some of them that their entire careers. Right. So they've built like these really long friendships with people. So it's a really great community to be a part of and especially at footsteps i get to work on like really fucking amazing projects no (laughs) no i think i we for sure have sworn i think we have a content warning or something like on our yeah we're like we're like a not for children podcast oh okay well if that's the case then i'll talk about all of the movies with sex scenes yeah go for it That was actually one of the first movies I worked on had a sex scene in it. And I was a bit like, not uncomfortable, but just like, oh, like, right, we have to do Foley for this. And so I like I said to the Foley, it was something very graphic happening in the scene. And I was like, we don't have to do that, do we? They made a joke about it. They did the sound and I made the most disgusting face ever. And they're like, no, we don't we don't have to do that. psych it's like a had a yeah. what do you call that hazing or like i don't know you're like <laughs> yeah basically oh there's so many of those like um you know if, if we bring someone in uh yeah to do like like you know whenever there's visitors in the studio they want to do a sound and yeah those are those are really good hazing things like yeah do this thing and they're like you know doing some weird or i'm just thinking of all of the things or all of the examples i'm like we really need an HR department. <laughs> I, I love where this interview has gone. Like, just, it wasn't heading there. And then suddenly, here we are. It's great. 
I don't even know what the initial <laughs> question that led us to this point was. We somehow got through yeah. sex scenes to HR. So yeah, guys, don't mess with Chelsea body. <laughs> I think maybe let's go back via the sex scenes through the hazing and towards my favorite question to all folly artists, weirdest thing you've used um, for a sound or most surprising thing you've used for you know when people think of foley they think of the foley artist first which of course fair enough they're the ones you know doing the hands-on work and using the props and and walking the walks um yeah i'm a foley mixer uh and and editor too but uh yeah so um at footsteps we have a three-person team but you can also have just a two-person team um so we have a Foley artist and a Foley mixer and a Foley editor. So the artists will be on the floor in front of the mics, you know, choosing the props to make the sound to match uh, the action on screen or, or walking in the, with the different shoes to match the different characters. And then the Foley mixer, which is me, uh, we're using the microphones to record uh, the level, perspective, all of those good things to make the sound fit the like the soundscape of the picture. And then the editor is there to um, cut things up, to put them in sync. There's been the odd time where I'll get up and I'm like, I want to do that sound and they'll let me go up and make the sound. But um, I just think of, we worked on this movie, The Lighthouse and the client was saying how the two characters in the film, the film takes place in like the late 1800s, I think it was, or early 1900s. And the suits that they wore, they're like, they were oilskin suits. And so the director wanted to make sure that they were authentic sounding because it's very different from, you know, modern like rubber rain suits that we'd have. And so we were talking on the phone with a client like, oh, we can send you the ones from set uh to use for the recording and and andy like the owner of the studio was like oh no i have one of those here like you just have you just have that <laughs> it's like yeah it's fine you don't need to send it i've got one i'm like oh okay <laughs> so yeah the like pretty much anything you can think of we've got at the studio so because you mentioned that um there's sort of this kind of close-knit uh sound community in Toronto and you have to deliver to a re-recording mixer do you start to kind of like learn like oh that mixer likes this that mixer likes this that mixer likes this oh yes yep so we'll even say like before we're starting a project like I do a lot of the scheduling at footsteps so I'm kind of in charge of you know dealing with the clients and um and with their expectations and all that. So I'll hear from like my coworkers, they'll say, oh, who's this for? And we'll say, oh, it's for this client. They'll be like, okay. And then they know exactly what they do. Obviously, if it's a client that we've worked with before. So we'll say like, oh, we're doing this job. So it's done this way. Um, Yeah, totally, totally a thing. Because everyone, as much as, yeah, everyone is so different. So like, what's the most like unusual style of Foley that you're like, this is so so their thing there isn't really anything like extremely unusual it's more so just kind of the process and and what they prefer some re-recording mixers want less of the room on things so that they can add their own spaces to it 
you know, it can even be something as simple as like track layout, like some mixers like their tracks laid out a, a certain way that's different from others. And, um, you know, whether or not we're editing, because a lot of the if we're working on like American projects, they have fully editors in the States that are part of the sound team on on their end that will take our tracks and edit them. So we need to know, oh, are we editing on this job or are we sending it to them to be edited? So, yeah, you kind of have to keep track of of what the project is and and what they need from us because it can be it can be different. So like what don't you like about your job? <laughs> what don't I like? Uh, I'm going to actually go off. of. I was on my way home today. I was listening to Joanna's interview. And one thing she talked about that's kind of diff- really difficult and difficult across the board for us too is um, like budgets versus expectations. So yeah, it's really hard when, you know, we're so focused on kind of getting the best sounds possible and making the best soundtrack possible. And then we don't have the time to do it, to do the job that we want to provide. So it's really hard finding that balance between giving them everything they need and, and making it set. So obviously our, our number one is always making it sound as best as possible. So yeah, it can be challenging to manage those expectations with the budgets that sometimes you get. Uh, I'm just wondering about your uh, involvement with this organization, because you are uh, the Toronto chapter head and then of course uh, an author of some articles so that's cool when did that start yes I am the co-chapter head of the Toronto chapter with uh, Mariana Hutton and uh, we joined on as co-heads maybe like just over a year ago or so so it's been kind of tough to be able to really do anything you know we want to kind of get everyone connected and but it's hard virtually to do that and everyone's so you know either busy or a lot of people have kind of changed careers too and so yeah I'm hoping that once we're able to kind of be able to be in person again that we can really get everyone connected because I'd love to meet more of the of the local Toronto people outside of post too right because there's so many other um, careers in audio and people working in them that are really interesting that I don't know about. Um, but yeah, the chapter head. And then before that, um, my first connection with sound girls, my first meeting in person was, uh, I went to, uh, the AES convention in New York in 2019 and sound girls had a couple meetups there and they had like a couple panels they'd organized. So that was my first time, like actually meeting a lot of people in person. And that was, so great um to meet you know people come from all over the world for those things so and then i did the same when i went to nam they had you know same kind of meetups and everything so i got to meet even more like really interesting people but yeah my first start with sound girls was i wrote a handful of blogs for them and yeah that was fun yeah i was reading some <laughs> yeah. they're good shout out shout out you can um, search them yeah. listeners and read them and yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. So you don't write anymore for? No, I think you'll notice one of my last blog posts was about imposter syndrome. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was kind of like, 
I think that was kind of like weighing on me a lot at that time. And, and I, so I wrote about it, but then I was like, I'm not good enough to write blogs. And <laughs> Oh, this is a check-in and then. And this is a check-in. How are you doing? Because everyone's wondering what the hell happened to Chelsea. She wrote about imposter syndrome <laughs> and then she just disappeared. She's a I know, and then she's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like the like mostly it was that I just kind of got too busy and I just didn't, I couldn't find the time to. But, but a big part of it was too, you know, I, I really felt like you know, I'm so, I'm so new to this. What do I have to offer that people are going to want to read about? And that was like totally the imposter syndrome kicking in. And so that led me to read about it, which led me to write about it too. But um, yeah, like kind of learning about it a bit more makes you more aware of it so that you can work on it. But I know it's a really, really common thing for people in creative roles, right? Because like, a lot of people tie kind of their whole being to their craft. So it's really hard to like separate those things and, um, and handle sometimes it's hard to handle criticism and that goes with it. And it kind of like spins you in this circle of, of, you know, not feeling competent at what you do, but it's things like that, like putting yourself out there and writing the blogs and, going to the networking events and meeting the people and finding the things that you enjoy working on um, helps you get over those feelings of the imposter syndrome. Well, and I can't wait till there is a meetup, really. I really can't wait because I'll be there. Yeah, You'll see me there when that day happens. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, sharing that. Yeah, I know it is a common feeling. I'm uh, an amateur, so I'm not like, of course I feel like an imposter because I should because I'm an amateur (laughs) but like (laughs) even then no even then even then like it's kind of what I was saying before about you know going back and looking at your old work like there's still a thing to be proud of for for doing your best that you could do with the knowledge you had at that time you know you're always going to learn and grow that's important yeah no you're right yeah yeah just keep learning keep learning and doing and growing and yeah, it's it's hard though. Besides, you're you're a student, so I am a student. Well, you're giving such good advice right now, but do you have like a single motto of advice that's like, yeah, laying yes, on us? I do. Don't be a dick. <laughs> no one wants to work with a dick. Doesn't matter how much you know. You can be the smartest <laughs> person, but if you're a dick, no one wants to work with you. Well said. Woo. You don't have to go to school to be in this industry. I mean, it helps in some cases. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people haven't gone to audio school who work in the industry. The main thing is networking and not being a dick. <laughs> learning, you do so much learning, so much more learning in the actual industry and doing the work than you will learn in a program in school. Well, th- this is all really good. Chelsea, uh, are you up for folks reaching out to you in any capacity if they w- wanted to learn more or find um, you on the interwebs? Yeah, I don't really have like a public social media presence, but um, can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You know, keep it profesh. Keep it profesh. <laughs> and don't be a dick. And don't, don't be a dare. dick. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. 
Visit soundgirls.org for more information. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.